Hey, welcome to the Road and Morale podcast. So do you ever feel like screaming out in the office, on Zoom or outside the school gates, for the love of God, come on, really? Then if this is you and you're looking for an honest, fun and frank podcast on life and business, then sit back and listen to me, Rona Morel. I'll be bringing great people on the show to talk, share and debate their life experiences and business challenges, keeping the show unpolished, but in a fun and unique British style with sarcasm, tenacity, maybe a few swear words or tears. This podcast keeps it real, honest, raw, and removes the bullshit in the only way I know how, through authenticity and getting shit done. Think of it less like the Housewives of New York or TOWIE with the lipo and drama, and more like the house lives of the real world. I hope you'll take something away to be better informed, laugh, smile, or maybe even finally get in the confidence to shout, come on, really. So enjoy. Hey, Anna, welcome to the Rona Morel podcast. How are you? Hi, Rona. Thank you for having me here. Well, absolutely fine. I think we have a lovely summer this year with a couple of heat waves and uh, another and, and hour heats, but it's absolutely great. Thank you. Oh, you're welcome. So for the listeners, I'm delighted to welcome Anna Pobanesna. Uh, we were just joking a minute ago as to whether I could pronounce the surname correctly, and I think I nailed it, so that's fine. Um, but Anna um, has uh, from Ukraine originally and has been in the UK now since 2008. She is an absolute demon for all things sustainable development and uh, as, as a tech entrepreneur. Um, she is the founder of ClearHub and Smart for Tech. Um, and there is a plethora of things that Anna has been doing, including a mentor, author, speaker. Um, and the UK government actually did recognise her as an exceptional digital talent. So thank you and welcome. Um, we're going to be covering quite a few topics um, today around regulatory framework, how unsustainable investments are happening, rainbow washing, which is a new one compared to greenwashing, um, and over-extraction. So we are going to dive straight in. So Anna, please tell me more about the, the passions and why you created ClearHub Smart for Tech and, and what you do. Well, thank you so much. First of all, this is a fireworks introduction. I've been called a monster. <laughs> <laughs> but I haven't built called a demon. So, well, let's put it that way. Demon and angel makes a monster. Thank you, Rona. And thanks for the absolutely fascinating, um, fascinating start, full of energy. You're brilliant. Um, Passion-wise, passion -wise, you probably mentioned all of that in that particular line. What you haven't mentioned um, um, as well, and I will add to that, it's a life flower um first of all and earth lover and daughter so family lover and friends lover and family for me is humanity so that's three those three things summarize what is my passion passion to protect the earth first um, passion is to uh, preserve it conserve it re regenerate it and of course pass it to the next generations uh in a slightly better state at least slightly but because i'm ambitious as you called me demon so to pass it to the next generations and to see it actually in our lifetime in a much better condition than we see it now that's my passion in their qualitative terms in the quantitative terms i will um, be specific and will quote um 
uh, World Economic Forum here, which stated a couple of years ago that there is 12 points, um, around 12 trillion, uh, billion, sorry, year opportunities with regards to sustainable uh, revenue generation and, uh, and 350 million jobs creation. And the interesting fact about that, uh, which is one third actually belongs to extractions. And this is where my heart is, uh, natural capital. So right. from uh, net uh, negative, from basically greenwashing, rainbow washing, to net zero, which was recently called by responsible investment um, professionals, so don't quote me on that, is a net bullshit, to finally net positive, which Paul, the ex-CEO of the Viewer and many other of us, the tribe as a call, uh, we are very much set on our eyes, hearts, minds, and hands. So that's, that's Amazing. my passion. And so. <laughs> Amazing. And when I say demon, I mean in the nicest sense, as in you kick ass and you you absolutely have that passion and drive. So it's uh, de definitely meant in the positive term. So listen, you, you mentioned a word there and you said uh, rainbow washing. What do you mean when you say rainbow washing? So rainbow washing, actually, I picked up it also recently by someone because we all heard about this unicorns, right? Which is all about the rainbow and all about the 50 shots. 50,000 <laughs> tons of all the pleat colors. I'm not going to go into the 50 shades of uh, a specific color, but the same happening in the, in the, um, in the deal making, right? In the investment world and in the sustainability, because we know sustainable development has 17 goals. And funny enough, they're all colorful. If you put all this together, it's a rainbow, right? It's a circle mm -hmm. of rainbow, of 17 goals, which have um, different uh, scientific based targets. Some of them not that scientific, but uh, targets are great. However, means of achievement might be not that great. And uh, a lot of coverage, a lot of disclosures and a lot of reporting sounds absolutely brilliant, perfect, uh, glam glamorous to some extent, grand and polished. But when we dig deeper, so when we actually start looking into the metrics, into the accountability, into the alternative data sets and the alternative uh, information and trying to compare um, published polished apples with uh, raw picked up apples I mean their information right uh something doesn't match up it doesn't stack up so and that's what yeah. all this uh, uh washing why rainbow because we have 17 sustainable development goals all of that color so it's not as colorful as we want it and there is also our definitions of economies different ones so green economy as we heard right um then it's uh, blue economy which is ocean economy and yeah. then of course there is regenerative economy, which is much more comprehensive. That, to be honest, this is where we should be uh, going because green, blue, this is all great. This is all um, uh, functional parts, but holistic one or systemic one is truly regenerative. If we don't have regenerative, that means we have over-extractive. And that brings us to basically use of planet to ratio two to one, almost as of today. It's 1.6, yeah. but actually the saturates is 2 to 1. So definitely washing rainbow. Yeah. No, absolutely. Thank you. And so you um, mentioned in some of that uh, around extraction and um, obviously over extraction. And, and we can't have the green without the blue or the blue without the green. It's so interdependent. So what are the main areas of, of concern and focus that you have on over extraction? 
So the main areas of ova extraction, of course, as we know, it's fuel, uh, minerals, and then it's, of course, hard minerals. And um, that's, that's what we're talking about, the primary materials. So this is where my heart is literally bleeding and I can feel every single uh, wound of the earth in myself without exaggeration. Um, so, and the ratio of the waste created in the, to some extent, sometimes can be three to one, sometimes can be two to one, but there's, the most um, challenging thing that is exponentially growing. So to be honest, if we look even from the satellite into our blue planet, which doesn't look so blue anymore, um, mm. we can see sometimes waste um, uh, waste dumps, right, from the earth. They are seen from the earth. No, it's not necessarily all primary materials. We don't blame uh, primary because uh, it's always about the balancing demand and supply. And um, so I always look at it from a slightly macro perspective, zoom out, so I'm like, from the space, right? And then zoom in what's actually going on. It's also demand, right? This culture of the over-consumerism um, or, and, or and all type of economy which drew us here or put us here like over-consumption of everything, be it clothing, be it uh, anything, but it all comes from primary materials, right? Cotton, timber, water, minerals, all of that. And um, uh, coming back to your point, that's what my heart is, primary materials. So we need to conserve, preserve what we have, and we need to shift a bit of our paradigm thinking, not just uh, necessarily to degrowth, this is another extreme, right? Overgrowth yeah. and now degrowth. Truth is always somewhere in the middle. So rebalancing a bit uh, uh, our, our economy and rebalancing our demand and supply, and of course, rebalancing our trade, supply chains, and it's also overdue anyway. We see yeah. it in the world, the, gov the governance uh, systems and systems failure happening due to the governance at all levels. So it's a perfect time for us to rethink, reimagine, redesign, and of course, uh, redo, which, which is great. And then of course, we will, in the same time, we will see recycle, reuse, um, and, and so on and so forth. All of those rare, which we can, basically revive our great um our great uh, planets and and humanity and restore yeah. peace hopefully and, and what's your view on um obviously the, there's billions of the population that have not had a chance to develop and grow and still don't have access to the basics of clean water education healthcare. How do we balance the one side of the planet that is over-consuming and growing and actually the other billions of people who have a right to grow um, and grow their economies and, and, and the impact of that on, on the planet? How do, we, how do we balance that? I love this question. Thank you so much. Um, as we know, 1% of the world, uh, sorry, the, the world is controlled or currently is allocated in uh, at 1%, right? If to add middle class to that, maybe a bit another 10, 20%, which is variable right now. And we will see very big changes after COVID, uh, after recession, and so, which we are just entering right now. And, and, and wars and um, other impacts, right? Systemic, systemic risks, which uh, hit hard all of us. Um, that's going to unfortunately expose even more the vulnerable and the sensitive areas lower uh, lower developed countries. However, it's also a great chance for them 
to move from the theory of tragedy of commons into the wealth of opportunities and to move away from their resource based economies into service based economies and into real uh, assets economies. What do I mean and real services by that? Yeah. And we have a great time for that right now, no matter how tragic it is or no matter how challenging it is, it's also a great time of the opportunities where supply chains slash value chains are broken. And if we reconstruct them in a much more systemic way and from their not just uh, convenience perspective, not from the colonialistic perspective, as it was done in the past and the truth is truth, but if we actually reconstruct them from their resource allocation, planetary resource allocation. So if we, yes, we understand that China has a lot, Russia has a lot and, um, but the political systems in certain countries are not favorable, like Russia, where some countries are recognized as terrorist state. Yes, we also need to take that into account. But we have countries amazing like Brazil, like India, like African uh, continent, which have now a chance to reconstruct uh, their and, and to build from the global just dependence into the national region. So we, can, we will see, to answer your question now, in a one line, we will see a rise and developments of national economies, continental economies, and more localized economies, which will be in turn interwoven with the global economy. So we will just see a rebalancing and slight upgrade definition of the globalization. We will not see it as it was in the past, but there will be more integrity, there will be more reconciliation, and there should be more, of course, interoperability because those Chinese walls, we, which ironically, uh, which we saw in data, in information, in the knowledge not sharing, there's they've been crumbled, and so that will help also to unite, to bring more transparency, bring more potentially trust in the longer term. Um, between the actors and hopefully localized economies. That's overdue. And mm -hmm. um, in, in terms of the consumer reason, the second big problem, well, not the problem, the, it's, it's cause effect, right? So it's a big, it's a cause of what we are overseeing now. Well, West is being educated and West finally is waking up and recognizing that we cannot sustain ourselves as we are at the moment, uh, consuming as, as we are, we are behaving. And uh, it's a slow process. Hopefully we can accelerate it by uniting positive efforts and uh, educating, conserving and um, other means. Um, so it's a number of factors. It's, there is no one, uh, there is no one um, simple line to answer that. No, there is one simple line to answer it. We can see the changing of economies and the world order, but on their practical terms, um, it's rebalancing the consumption, of course, and yeah. then rebalancing trade, value chains, and of course, markets. Hmm. There's a lot to digest there. So I think there's a couple of things there that we, we you, you talked about, and I think there's, a, there's this big control, if we take the top 10 um, globally around, you know, lobbying and be that oil, pharmaceutical, chemical fertilizers, with this growth of potentially populism, you know, the Dutch farmers, the Sri Lankan current situation, um, and actually how, what we need to do to kind of bring back that 
that local ability to because providing services I think is an interesting view on some of the developing countries it's like what services could they provide at the moment it's very much extraction farming how can we help them um translate with technology but also the 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 task we have on feeding the the world but I, I guess waste comes into that a lot yeah, I mean, 40% of food, up to 40% of food has been wasted. <laughs> as simple as that. If you open average American fridge and then you open average American, American bean, you'll be horrified. Yeah. Nothing to do. It's not about racism. I'm just picked an example of a developed country, right? One of the, le- the, the leading economy, uh, one of the leading economies. So, and I think this is where the change starts is at home. Mm-hmm. in the family, in the household, from basically from ourselves. And we need to ask ourselves a very simple question. Do I, and, and to compare it always, do I need it or do I want it? Need, yeah. want, and can. Those three things are usually come into place on a very simple level. Forget about the ESG metrics, forget about uh, complicated uh, risk management technologies, more data and more. Risk, want, and can. Do I really need it? Do I really want it? It's a good balance and check on the, on the, on the basic level. So that's on the developed world. On the developing world, and you touch very well, I mean, BRICS countries, Africans, Sri Lanka, South Africa, the war countries right now, Sudan, uh, and many other, 20 other countries, I mean, Palestine, you name it all, right? Uh, so it's it's more geopolitical discussion. We cannot boil the ocean. And we cannot solve everything everywhere. Like even me being Ukrainian, no matter how hard uh, my um, is said about Ukraine and bleeding, together with Ukraine. But I also understand I cannot change situation overnight. So I think where the focus should be, with all much being uh, conscious and helping and supporting. Um, everyone you can and do what you can but you also we've got to be also realistic where the biggest impact we can have so that can create a chain effect or or let's put it that's ripple effects and knockoff effect to influence others it's impact right so we can think we can focus on there where the 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 most important impact can get created so that create a change in others and for instance, in, in, in DRC in Zambia, with particular, we're talking about extractive industries, right? Mining. And I happen to know a bit, I never claim I know, I say, I happen to know a bit about extraction. So, and as a prominent example, how resource dependent economies fully uh, and, and absolutely hate, this is a very strong word, and I know that, but this is how it's, those people have a right to express that way. Uh, colonialistic models. So what are they doing? And DRC we know because of the of the blood and child and all of those um, uh, labor and and uh, and means of production that were used and abused. And that's why we can see a lot of um, voluntary and non-voluntary regulation actually uh, coming from that. So we're talking about legitimacy, accountability and efficiency, right? Eating yeah. other initiatives. Uh, equator principles, the do, do edge Frank, and so on and so forth. So it's legitimate. But also then on a practical level, how do you apply it? If artisanal mining is not formalized, 
it's uh, it's a challenge. Who's controlling what? Who's controlling whom? How? And then on top we have the local tribes might be fighting and controlling, like be it Africa, it's guerrilla movement, for instance, where it's simply corruption, and the corruption is a, is the main source of problems for everyone, everywhere, and especially for their for the population. So no, we cannot solve solve the ocean, but we need to cooperate to bring more transparency, to bring more awareness, to start empowering people. Once people have access to basic uh, in like a Maslow pyramid, security, water, food, and energy. To be honest, this is a big start. And there is plenty of data supporting that evidence and even film was made where the African people had access to education, water, and energy, and then they meant to develop their own businesses. This yeah. I can see in Ukraine. We're coming from a surviving mode. We're not coming from prosperity. Last 300 years, we, we've been in a hardcore surviving mode. And look at Ukraine when you've seen Bucha in Irpin uh, exposed and, uh, and uh, okay, that became a torture massacre in the headlines. But when the rest of the world saw it, like, wow, we didn't know those small towns look like almost, not Miami, of course, but so developed, how come? Well, this is how come. People have access to water, energy, and education, and that's already a lot. And then we find opportunities. So. And the same with Africans. So dear, given, coming back to DRC and jumping a bit, DRC and Zambia. So governments decided, and with a new president in Zambia, oh yeah, they decided that they actually need to shift. So that comes from the governance. That's why we're coming yeah. back to the point of the importance of the, not governments necessarily, but governance. If we have a sound and healthy governance and intentions and then legislation, or legitimacy, then the changes are coming from top down, which is very important. And then of course, if we can see the change from bottom up, where people are actually more aware and they require the change, they demand the change, this is where magic happens, right in the middle. And mm -hmm. Zambia and DRC decided to build integrated value chains. So, and they decided to shift from extractive resources countries, extra, extractive dependent countries, to actually um, processing, recycling, and created that circular economy type as, and gradually shift and attract more investment. And of course, we've, we've heard the news about Zambia that it was nearly in the default and couldn't repay its payments. So it had to renegotiate its external debts recently and uh, with World Bank and, and other debtors. And of course, private sector is very dubious whether they can enter the market with Zambia being at the bottom of the list in, the, in terms of the um, um, rating index, right? And yeah. rating scorings. However, it's all negative. But if you really focus on the positive, how much and how quickly changes uh, taken at speeds they're taking, fascinating. Yes, we can see DRC again in the, in the center of news for, for, the, for the sad news. However, the change is still going on. The waste has been removed. Zambia is known as one of the copper countries, top copper countries in the world, Zambia yeah. uh, Copper Belt. But if you dig deeper, be, before we look into primary resources, we also look at their ratio of the waste and especially toxic waste. And there's prominent use cases been taken in the global courts recently where Zambian people sued and won those toxic wow. because 
that impact. And the same with uh, with other communities, with Peruvian communities. I mean, the, the Extrata Glencore case was not <laughs> infamous either, but that gave a lesson to everyone to respect people, to respect nature, and to actually shift the means of production and shift the means of technologies and actually invest into R&D, invest into technology to, um, that's on one side, we're talking about environmental social, but of course the grades of ore are decreasing. So that means uh, it's not just necessity, conviction, but it's also necessity. So it's, it's a bunch of factors that are happening and affecting and so we, it's evolution. Hopefully yeah. we don't, we don't like revolutions, but hopefully we can accelerate that evolution and, and go the speed of 10 because we're slightly behind the curve. Yeah, it's interesting. You, you touched there you know, previously in the conversations around technology, and I, I, I remember hearing a potential UK prime minister saying that, you know, we need to invest more in technology and, you know, tech's the answer for the climate. And that often jars with me because I just think... <clears throat> Yes, there's more work to do, but I think there's a hell of a lot of technology and solutions. My community alone in LinkedIn, if I could give them all a billion dollars tomorrow, could change the world. So I just think there's this over-reliance. I love your point of view, Ron. A very practical and very realistic. And yes, I mean, I'm probably in the same community. Not probably. We are in the same community with you in the same tribe. And that's where united and this is why we're talking today i'm fascinated to learn from you and uh, and uh, and exchange those opinions and it's not wishy-washy it's real because when i saw your work i was like wow it's like how does she do that i'd like to hear more and i think that's what unites us those who want to make a difference and uh, no technology is not the answer it's a tool set the answer yeah. is really governance and the governance is such a broad thing and such theoretical sometimes and it's such corporate term that a lot of people cannot even understand that. Because yeah, some of the regulations and, and, and governance that I've seen are like documents this thick, you know, that does not translate into a simple strategy to drive focus, clarity and execution. Um, and I think we we, we overcomplicate things to just put people off rather than going, here's a one pager and, you know, translating that into communities and co-collaborating from the bottom up as well, rather than that very top down. This is what I think is good for you when it's not. Absolutely. So here we go. We came to three points. Commonality, clarity and uh, credibility. Once we have those three things, basically this is summarizes governance. And uh, that's, that's, that's a strategic high level. And then we come into the how, right? So, okay, we, we, we have the goals, we have the commons, uh, we have the commonality, we understand what is commons, air, what is sense of force. Okay, how do we, how? And then the three eyes or four eyes are coming here. I'm not gonna go into five eyes, <laughs> which is intelligence service. Um, but uh, coming back to three eyes, right? It's intelligence, and for that we need education and knowledge and transparency. Mm -hmm. For that, integrity, if we are disconnected and those silo walls, Chinese walls, doesn't really help. And interoperability. So do I understand you, what you say? Are we on the same page? And are we on the same definitions? Do you mean what's, do you say what I understand? And this is a major challenge right now. 
interoperability, let's put it even a simpler way, interpretation, right? Interpretation yeah. and interpretation via interconnectivity. So that's mm. one of those ones. So this is for ice, right? Because farmers say like, well, I need this land to plant more potatoes. And then industry say, no, no, no. I need this land because I produce more marginal revenues and marginal costs in comparison to you, by the way. And everyone is, and then as a mining company, say so like, no, 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 hang on, guys. You're not going to exist without me because we need minerals for EVs and batteries. <laughs> and then yeah. you have government. And then you have investors who cannot even understand which project is more viable. In the short term, of course, it's going to be something that's going to produce revenues tomorrow and uh, at the and the rate of 10 in, in comparison to other production. But in terms of the impact, guys, have you measured all the impacts? Practical example, Tesla, ESG, yes, EVs. And then suddenly we said like, boom, impact report. And, and then we see that uh, Germans blocked it. Why? The gigafactories, because gigafactories and mega projects are not sustainable by definition. Yeah. That's that's a very simple liner. Then we need to drill down a bit and understand more functional, more evidence-based and more scientific-based. Ah, water impact. Here we go. So, okay, one car, how does, what is the water footprint, handprint, and most important, the impact? Not just short term, yeah. not how much we reduce. How much that's taking water in regards to total water balance, and the key word here is total, will affect, yes, was it affected yesterday? today and tomorrow and this is what we call sustainable <laughs> yeah if we take it over extracted today in a simple terms forget about the dynamic metrics climate change evidence forward-thinking predictive model analytics <laughs> let's put it all aside it's all there we know how that again affect water and we can see water wars i don't like to call them water wars water mismanagement is kicking out hard yeah everyone now so before we were talking climate is dangerous. Hey, 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 wait. So, and, 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 and now we're going to see the real effects. First, it was collapse of the food supply chains. Um, now, or metals, food, now it's going to be water. And that's going to be, so if without food, we can kind of survive 30 days or 40 days. But without water, it's, it's much more complicated. Exactly. So, and I and, and you can already see that scramble globally to take control of the next generation of materials and requirements and be that be our over-reliance already on solar into China. Um, water is like, a, well, it's, it's liquid gold. It will become, you know, the, the, the ultimate ownership and that scramble to, to, to kind of take control of that. It's, Again, the powers that be are already kind of going, yeah, yeah, I'm going to take all of that as, mu as much as I can to, to control it. So that's, that's one of the things that gives me um, a risk. Um, actually, what would be your, I'm rambling now, what would be your three, your three biggest fears and then your three biggest hopes? You know what? Um, after being through the war, it's not after yet. It's been. No, My life during. has changed in 2014 forever. When I went to the front line and 
I went to Mariupol that doesn't exist anymore. And I'm so sorry. And I, no, no, it's fine. And I'm being honest because I think being authentic is important. And I thought my biggest fear was to lose people. Yeah. And it materialized. And I think life is the most important thing. And I think we undervalue that, just like water. And yeah. I will quote guys, uh, I will quote fellows from Vienna Americas, amazing entrepreneurs who went to South America and started business there. Hats off, I have no idea how they done it. And there's plenty of us like this. And it gives me hope on the yeah. other side, because there are people who value life, who cherish that, and they make uh, and they make a difference. And it doesn't really, it doesn't really uh, matter how small it is. Whether you wake up and you give big, uh, send someone a big smile, a nice email, um, whether you go in the fields and work and, and appreciate life, or whether you're gonna go and change the world with your 27 billion uh, fortune and build a hydrogen market. Truth will be somewhere as we're usually in the middle, but I think it's, it comes back to I, we, and us. And, yeah. um, and, and, and the unity of that. So my, uh, my biggest fear, I think, <laughs> to be honest, I've, I've, I had to face them. I had yeah. to face them. And of course my fear was water and that's why I actually came to, to the res integrated resource management and generate to nature resources, natural capital, regenerative economy through that, but through the water. When I challenged in 2017, and this is how I got my digital talent visa or recognition here, I came to the UK government. It's like, I have this solution. <laughs> they couldn't pronounce my name. They couldn't. It was like, first of all, I was the youngest in the room. Second, yeah. they couldn't even know what could pronounce my name. And I was like, guys, I know how to solve it. And I was like, what are credits? They're like, what? We don't have carbon credits working properly. You're talking about the water credits. And I was like, it's fine. And since that, water brought me on this journey. On yeah. this journey of, of minerals, of mining, of waste, of whatever. And it gives me hope because I meet a lot of people right now. And this tribe is exponentially growing, probably faster than the waste. So yeah. I don't <clears throat> have hard data to prove that, but let's see. <laughs> and we will see that because you know that one person can change 10, can influence 10, 10 can influence 100, 100 can influence 1,000, 1,000 can influence millions. And the yeah. example even for that, like how one just teacher, and I don't, I mean, like to close topic on, uh, on the word on the positive note here and to shift it. One teacher raised $700,000 in just a few weeks. Wow, to support peace. Yeah. And so this is the, just a teacher in small Georgia, I mean, geographically, in some village. This is yeah. how change can be in a matter of weeks. And imagine if we just believe in ourselves, all of us, and then we communicate to each other and actually exchange who's doing what and how, and then we interconnect, and then we create the bottom-up change as well as top-down. I think this gives me not just hope, but already seen realization happening with that. And that's yeah. why I'm here. And it keeps giving you fire in your belly. Well, listen, first of all, kudos to you for going back to the, the front line. A lot of people wouldn't have done that. Um, it must have been exceptionally, um, obviously, emotional. 
I know from a UK perspective, we're we're all behind um, the UK and and uh, Ukraine, sorry, and 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 humanity in itself, and we, we we can already see it now with China flexing its muscles on Taiwan. So we we all we're all there to support uh, you and your family and your journey. So so um, don't ever apologise for getting emotional about that because uh, I don't know how you can't. Um, but yeah, I think clearly you're on that side of you've got enough fire in your belly <clears throat> and hope around that movement. And the more we connect, the more we talk and have these conversations, the more we can impact that that change. Um, just a couple of other things on um, or examples of tell me a little bit more about Clear Hub and Smart for Tech, which is obviously what you founded. Well, uh, thank you so much for that question and thanks for support. All appreciated. And I think we equally need to support everyone in this world. And uh, I really, really like to see this, this to be the last conflict that triggers change for peace and for good and for more equality, just transition and all of those sustainable development goals actually accelerating happening. So that's my positive side and bright side. So I think it's a, it's a great lesson, but it's also a great um pilot for the new governance model. <laughs> Good governance. Anyway, coming back to the Smart4. Smart4 was my baby when I started uh, Water Credits. This, this is what was recognized by the UK government at that time. And this is where I thought integrated water resource management uh, is the way to solve water problem. Because my really, what triggered me is sustainability, right? Sustainability and peace, prosperity and peace, people, planet, profit, that's pretty much it. And I was like, all right, so, what we need to solve to resolve peace, to ensure sovereignty, ensure stability, security, and of course achieve prosperity as a result, because prosperity is an outcome. And it's like water. Because at that time I was in ENY blockchain accelerator with peers uh, in the oil trade. And I was like, no, this is not gonna ensure that. This mm -hmm. is not gonna prove the fundamentals for that okay water fine so i decided to ch to solve water <laughs> and then i was like all right <laughs> and i thought this interpreter i'm gonna build the pilot in half a month in six months maximum <laughs> and everyone was looking at like right and so then the reality check came in and then i pivoted a bit and so i went into different projects and this is how smart for tech happens so it's uh, sustainability related projects uh, sustainability and tech that enables that, that type of sustainability fintechs supply chain management um that before that i was involved into the construction so green developments and we built the first green project in ukraine and transformed a couple of projects globally as well and um so yeah it was it was a mix that's how it came up it came up from the idea of okay how to solve the water crisis ensure water security and enable a green blue rainbow regenerative economy so yeah and, but that shifted because along the way, because my passion is sustainable development, but for sustainable development, as you said, it's too broad. We need to have a specific means. Specific means uh, and tool sets is information, knowledge, and, uh, and, and people, of course. 
So that's naturally brought me into my own venture after I uh, was, I, after I spent time with, uh, in Minehub with, uh, and, and actually was a newbie in the resource space uh, in the minerals and metals resource space. And I was like, oh, this is where water brought me. So it was literally, as, as I mentioned before, guys in the Americas uh, venture called me following the water hashtag. And I was like, yeah, mm, probably. So it was a natural flow for me. And this is where I landed right now in the mineral space. And uh, ClearHub is all about that. So it's how to create a paradigm shift from primary resources to the secondary resources gradually without revolutions. We have enough of those in the world. And, uh, and rebalance the demand and supply. Of course, it's a bigger task. Uh, not necessarily on the political level, but yes, I'm contributing to the diplomatic uh, from time to time discussions. Governance is my passion, sustainable governance, adaptive governance from a perspective of creating the cooperative business models, as you mentioned. So we aligned with you 100% on that, if not thousands. Um, bringing the federated trust, similar setup as uh, um, Switzerland has. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and, and, and integrating value chains. I often receive this question, what is integrated value chain, Anna, especially in mining? Well, uh, water, food, and uh, if you interwove in all their commodities or resources, water, food, energy, and minerals, here we go. So, but it's completely new business model. So I'm, 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 I'm very much focused on the clean, clear hub as a new business, not new business model, let's put it, it's not all news, forget, forgetting old, as we say. Uh, business model which will help to build their customer-centric uh, value chains and at the same time secure and uh, secure value chains but also redevelop projects so i'm coming back to really my my primary nature yeah uh, rede redevelopment so if you look at the at the projects where is waste where is where is uh, distressed where is um, abundance what needs to be redeveloped that's where are my eyes on and where's the most need it's not about just economics uh microeconomics which are based on old economics but it's also about their uh thinking about the macroeconomic perspective and thinking about most importantly not just social how to I'm gonna get that social license to operate to redevelop anything no it's about sustainable license to operate it's about uh, how local communities can benefit from this not just in the short term, I, I come and provide jobs, for instance, not I, we together, but it's also it's like how they benefit afterwards. They're not just a hosting communities, they uh, uh, nominally uh, own this commons. Yeah. Those belongs to them. So I'm thinking very much from the commons perspective, but in the human terms or in the practical simple terms, it's cooperative, collaborative and uh, how we can enable those type of business models, empower them with the right side of tool sets, be it information, be it clean tech, be it the right set of technologies, and of course the right set of knowledge and unite people around that. So it's building the yeah. hubs of education, information, and uh, slowly, slowly. I mean, yeah. it might be fast, but time will show. Amazing. Well, listen, I think that's a great place to kind of wrap this up. I absolutely um, love your energy, your passion, and 
everything that you're doing please don't ever stop um and yeah it's been an absolute pleasure to have you on the 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 podcast today anna and thank you so so much for your time today and everything that you're doing thank you thank you rama so much and uh hopes we can make a difference together 100 percent. thank you anna so that's it you've made it the show's over Thank you for being with us. I hope you've been able to take something away, maybe solve a problem, or just know you're not alone. Here's hoping it made you smile with a few laughs along the way. Please feel free to find me on all social media channels and you can subscribe to my YouTube channel. Just search the Road and Morale podcast. Have an awesome day and see you next time.